Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm from sunny California, now living here in sunny, beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Shu. I am also living in Beijing, just like Jason, but I'm always going to be proudly representing the Northeast part of China, which is also probably sunny and beautiful all the time. (laughs) Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. A new law banning Chinese citizens from buying property Mm. has some wondering if they're welcome in Texas, according to an article in the Los Angeles Times. Have we entered a new period where questions similar to the Chinese Exclusion Act and the Japanese internment are becoming normalized in U.S. discourse? What's at stake and what can be done? First thoughts, Alex? It's not very welcoming news and people have the right to feel the way that that media is reporting on, you know, if someone says, I don't want you to buy stuff around me, that's kind of a kind of a very straightforward way of saying, I don't want you near me. But there's also a lot of difference, a lot of differences between when something gets written into a bill, becomes the law and what actually get executed and also what the local people actually think about that and what they're going to do. Yeah, the law hasn't been passed. So uh, yeah, maybe there's still time to lower the uh, tension and maybe a less sinophobic <laughs> uh, perspective prevail. You know, it's interesting. I see a lot of people on uh, social media. I'm on social media a lot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks have a misconception about China. I wanted to get to that because they say, oh, well, you know, mm. foreigners can't buy uh, property in China, which is actually not true. What there's with, you know, in China, owning your the land is like a very uh, it's like a lease. So you can lease the land and release it and release yeah. it and release it. In the countryside, you have to have like a hukou to control that land. So you know, I actually do own an apartment here in, in China and uh, you're doing so much better than me. I don't even know an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm a foreigner here in China and I own an apartment. So I think, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions mm. about what is possible. And yes, a foreigners actually can buy apartments. I know lots of I knew an Italian guy who owned an apartment. I own my own apartment. I have friends Ooh. from other places who own apartments and land here in China. You know, what happens is after 70 years, you have to release it again. It's the truth for Chinese people yeah. too. So this concept that Americans can't buy own property in China, so why should we let them? This is this is a ludicrous proposition. Right off the bat, I wanted to get that one out of the way. Yeah, people are like, oh, you need to meet certain requirements, this, this, and that to buy a, a property in Beijing or in whatever. It's true, but it's not special to foreigners. It's the same for Chinese people as well. There are a lot of requirements you have mm-hmm. to meet to be able to get the loans or even to just get the quota to buy a house in certain cities somewhere where real estate is super hot, then everybody has to meet the same requirement. But it's good that you put this out there Mm -hmm. and kind of clear the air for other people who might be wondering the same thing, because I actually hear that comment quite often as well. People are like, oh, how can I live here for like... 10 years if you if I can't purchase property well you actually can't you can't yeah actually my friend my Italian friend uh, I'm not gonna say his name he bought an apartment in Beijing I don't know it was 2005 or something and he sold it in 2018 he made like a thousand percent because imagine buying property but in Beijing in 2005 it was like you know I know not anywhere close to the prices today the the real estate market has considerably increased in value over that time I know we are, are my parents uh the area my parents live in it's the same story it's the east part of Beijing it's where the new city center is now um for the oh feng tai <laughs> I, I knew that I was testing you oh, you wow. passed my oh, test wow. but for for people like but maybe Jason um who hasn't been to Tongzhou it's a if you live in Beijing <laughs> I think it was there like eight years ago eight, eight years ago still a different story I remember when I first visited when my mom first started working in Beijing she was working out of the she was living in the CBD area but she had to go work in Tongzhou and back then the Jingtong Expressway um, hasn't officially started operating yet so like you, you didn't need to pay a toll mm-hmm. you can just go on it but I remember it's a quick 
drive because there was not a lot of traffic. And Mm. along the way, maybe just a very quick 20 minutes, sometimes not even if you step on the gas a little bit. But along the way, it was basically close to nothing. Mm. Mm. Now you go on Tintone Expressway. Right, right. If there's traffic, it's not going to be 20 line minutes. One. Just shoot on line one all the way down Exactly, there. exactly. So the changes during the... Pop on the subway. I think I think we should all take subway a little bit more often. It's friendly and it's nice. It's it's going to be very helpful for, for, for Jason and Isa for our health initiatives. But, but you were going to say it's super developed out there. I think that's where you were Within going. 10 years, things became so different. So your friend was actually really, really smart. He's got a great eye for business opportunities. Well, he he bought his uh, third ring East, so not even, you know, Tongzhou. But, you know, he, I don't think that was his purpose. And when he moved here to Beijing, he was like, okay, I'm going to live here in Beijing. And so he bought an uh, apartment. He was like, great. And he started living there. Uh, things didn't go, you know, maybe the way that he anticipated. And mm. 15 years later, later he was selling it to move to shanghai and like no. he made a killing he just a man the amount of i can't even i don't want to throw the numbers out there because it's just crazy but he made a absolute killing i think he actually has moved back to italy now mm. um his him and his wife the prices in shanghai and beijing and a few other cities are really high mm. i actually didn't buy a home here i bought a home in wuhan because you know i'm sorry wuhan is awesome by the way <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Bridge. Um, Okay, so back to Texas. So uh, I guess this is just affecting Texas, which maybe tells a lot of folks about how uh, unwelcoming Texas may be. Hey, Texans, make this law not pass. This is not looking making you look good. Mm. Uh, So let's talk about this a little bit. So this is from a story by Dana Liebelson this month, February 9th, 2023. Quote, a bill banning Chinese citizens from buying property has some wondering of welcome in Texas. And it says detailed of the proposed law, which would also target citizens of Iran, North Korea, Russia are still being worked out, according to a its Republican sponsor. Now, I don't want to make this a Republicans versus Democrats. I'm mm. not either of those things. Mm. But um, I think it's really uh, scary. They're isolating out certain kinds of people and saying that they can't buy land. And the, I, I actually also heard another argument that Chinese are buying up the land. <laughs> and so I, I looked up the statistics of who owns the land in America from other countries. Canadians own 42 times as much land in america as chinese people so that's not true in fact uh there's like 19 countries in the list ahead of china where people from those countries own land in america more so than chinese folks chinese folks own considerably less land than people from 19 other countries so this concept that china is going up and going around and buying up all all the farms and stuff it's just not true there's no basis in reality for that yeah and i was reading up on this as well this bill is actually not only targeting chinese people it also banned people from three other countries uh, from buying real estate it's a Chinese, Iranian, North Korean, and Russian citizens. These four groups of people are included in the bill. And again, at least until the point where recording this episode, this is a bill that hasn't been it has been signed. And part of me just kind of knows that. I don't think this is because according to NPR, this is going to be if it got passed, then this would be the first bill in such kind of nature since World War Two. And yeah, wow. and that's yeah, that's that's a, that's a, that's going backward a little too much. If it actually became law, you know, yeah. it's just, it's also what the arguments that are being made don't have foundation in reality. So that's why I wanted to keep attacking those concepts. Like we, we, we started out the show like that because yeah. the, the things that are being said are just not even true. So, okay. There was a protest in Texas uh, where people showed up and they were protesting against this and saying that this was racist and that this was xenophobic and it was anti-Asian. And, you know, we've done shows on, on this program where we've talked about anti-Asian hate Quite crimes. Quite a few times. Yeah. yeah and they're 
they're on the rise. And so this is not the way we uh, should be approaching this very uh, pr- problematic topic that the United States and China, we have a lot in common. We, mm-hmm. you know, families love each other. They want it best for their, their, the next generation. We, ha- it's just really bad that this kind of thing has been proposed by the bill's most prominent champion, Texas governor, <laughs> Greg Abbott. Um, sorry, Mr. Abbott, you're going in a bad way. And this is definitely not the image that that you want to project for the United States around the world. Yeah. And it's like, again, I was looking at this and I'm like, okay, you're targeting the bill kind of just mm, put on this costume saying, oh, this is the bill that uh, target four groups of people from these four countries. But Texas has way fewer population from the other three countries than there is Chinese citizens. So, Are there a lot of North Koreans showing up and buying land? I can't imagine that. Buying properties in, in Texas? <laughs> it's just... Wow. Okay. So yeah. I have a list here, actually. This is from AgriPulse. I'm sorry I didn't put it in the in, in the data. <laughs> this is the these are the countries that own more land than China. So number one, and this is in order, Canada, the Netherlands, Italy, Portugal, United Kingdom, Germany, France, the Cayman Islands. Who knew? Uh, Luxembourg, Denmark, Switzerland, Japan, Mexico, Spain, Belgium, Austria. These all people from these countries own more land than those than people in China. In fact, uh, just going to one of these in the middle, Denmark owns two and a half times as much land as China. And uh, Luxembourg is like five times as much. Uh, Germany's like, I don't even, it's like 10 times as much. Mm. The amount of folks from China go, coming over to Texas and buying up land is really markedly small, actually. So there's a few farms and some people with apartments and it's like, okay, now you won't be able to buy land. It's just, it's just sinophobia. That's what it is. It's xenophobic and it's, it's not appropriate. It's sinophobic. (laughs) Um, I do remember actually when it was back in uh, Boston, back in 2012 and 13, um, I did know that there's Chinese real estate agents, uh, like realtors, you know, helping people settle down there. Hmm. And they did. Um, here's the thing. The realtor I knew, he came to me. He said, can you purchase a pro- like some sort of property in Boston? I said, I don't have the money to purchase property. Boston. But he's like, it's going to be super, it's super easy. You know, as soon as you purchase it, all of the upkeep or, you know, the rental mm-hmm. management, all of that, I will take care of it for you. You don't have to worry about a thing and the fee is relatively low. Mm-hmm. And I know it was... It was realtors going after Chinese money coming mm-hmm. in to buy properties. And then again, of course, we could say all the things we want to say about real estate development and how it breaks the balance of a, a neighborhood and all of those things. But mm-hmm. again, if it was really bad, you know what I would consider? Okay, okay, we're maybe doing it a little bit too zealous. If it's like my mom and my mom's friends and every like 10 people I meet someone, one of them owns property in America, then I'll be like, <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. At least I, I would understand the sentiment. But it's like, most people I know don't know anything. Even people who moved to the to the United States, my friend who just recently moved there, a couple of them they don't own anything. So I think this is the kind of <laughs> time when you say it, when people say it to others who don't really know that much about China, or like we've always been saying on the show, we've never been to China, talk to like real Chinese people. You say this, it's going to get them kind of riled <laughs> up because they're like, oh yeah, it makes sense. Chinese people are taking our land. <laughs> Chinese people are jacking up the price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you really it's- if you really look at the stats, if you really look at the data, like Jason just said, it's there are so many other groups with much fewer population, much smaller population who owns more property um, in the States. And why is China such a huge, quote unquote, threat to that status? A professor, associate professor at the University of Texas at Austin, which I've heard is a beautiful campus, by the way, Haoju, he said uh, that the Texas legislation would make, quote, people willing to express their hatred towards certain race groups. Hmm. And he also said, look around. The bill is not affecting security issues at a national level, but regular people's lives. So this is uh, bad. So I think we should give some a little bit of tiny bit of historical context Hmm. Um, because, you know, different states teach uh, history differently. So I'm not exactly exactly sure what Texans know about like anti-Asian sentiment in U.S. history. So I want to cover very briefly the, the Japanese internment. Mm. So in the 1940s, during World War II, uh, 
Japanese people were slowly had their rights taken away from them and eventually were put into compounds and kept there where most of them lost all of their holdings, their land, their connection to their community, their businesses. This was called the internment. So uh, this was a a terrible, terrible thing that happened to Japanese people as a consequence of concern about national security. And another thing is... The Chinese Exclusion Act is passed in the late 1800s and it lasted until World War II. So actually in World War II, this Chinese Exclusion Act actually stopped, which prevented a lot of uh, Chinese people from immigrating into the United States. Mm. And so there, during the rally, Gene Wu, a Houston Democrat, said, stop Chinese exclusion in reference to this bill that may get end up getting passed in Texas about preventing people from buying land. Mm. And he he basically evoked the Chinese Exclusion Act, a 19th century law that blocked citizens of Chinese resident in the U.S. from immigrating mm. to the U.S. Because there was, I guess they called it the Yellow Scare, <laughs> which is a like, yeah, a, a fear of Asian people taking uh, jobs away from working people <laughs> in the United States. I, uh, for as long as I lived there, it's kind of. It's a little sad that that kind of sentiment. Still, I know it's still around. It's still around. It's like, oh, you're taking our jobs. <laughs> when I was a child in U.S. history classes, my teachers were telling these stories that they were terrible and that we were learning about them so they wouldn't happen again. And so that gave me confidence as a young boy. That, OK, our, we've learned from these things. Mm. And this The reason we're learning these things is because we don't do them anymore. These are moral tales. Oh, you think you don't my, do them anymore? <laughs> that, that's exactly that's what I thought. And then this happens yeah. where we are in 2023. Mm. And I'm like, okay, my entire childhood was a lie. Like, we didn't learn anything. <laughs> Everything is still just as bad as it was 100 years ago. These aren't things that we learned from that stopped happening. This is, a, yeah. this is continuity. And we have have these same issues today and that that's really terrible we just said that and i was listening and it just felt a little bit ironic to me how people feel the same way so many years later um when they look at chinese people they're like oh they're taking our land they're taking our jobs as a chinese person i'm like "Mm, Mm. when did we (laughs) when did we really take anything from the united states you know but i'm not trying to put the two countries um against each other yeah 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 but for people who are thinking that way, it's always been like, even for me, when I was there, I was like, well, I'm not really taking anybody's job for me to get a job like properly, you know, there's a lot of different things, I different doors have to pass and I have to prove that I, I am the, I, I'm not sure if people know about this H1B visa when I explain it to my American friends, because they're always like, Alex, you speak the language, why can't you stay here and get a job? I said, because for me, my employer, whoever that's willing to spend the money to file Mm -hmm. for the H-1B, which is a working Mm -hmm. visa for me, has to prove to the federal government that I am the only person who can do this. And then when they say only person, meaning that you have to be better at other possible American candidates who want this job as well. Like they have to have that reason to hire you. Like nobody else could do your job as a, Mm -hmm. um, what do they call it? Like an alien uh, resident. Like you're not part of this country, but, and then they have to pay you a salary Mm -hmm. higher than the city median income, which is pretty high for New York. And for my friends who are like, oh, Alex, you're a journalism student. Why couldn't you just go to a small TV station and build it up because that's how everybody uh, builds up their career. I said, I can't just go to a small city because I wouldn't be get paid. I wouldn't be paid enough for the TV station to file for my visa. And then we actually went through a lot of difficulties where we were turned away because it's not because we're Chinese, of course, it's because of the system and the policies that are in place for foreign nationals to get a job that every other average American person has a chance to get. And then in that way, if you think about it, it's the same thing for any uh, regime, any government in the world. They already have things in place to protect jobs or protect land for their own people first. And if you don't believe in that, I think it's not really a problem of you not believing the other group of people. It's you not believing the system that's in place that's made by your government for your country. Did I get a little too serious? No, no, no. I'm just thinking, I was just thinking, I, you know, I know people who have similar issues with visa issues coming to China. Most of the jobs that are available, yeah. that are they're qualified for, we've talked about this, about 80, 90% of the foreigners are here are English teachers. Yeah. The reason they're able to be English teachers 
is because they're native English speakers. And so they have the native like accent that is desirable. Yeah. Most of the other professionals who are here are uh, very special to their field. So they need to be here for some reason, like they teach sociology and they have a PhD or they work for an advertising company and they have, a, you know, 20 years of experience with a big advertising company or something like that. <laughs> You're listening to The Bridge. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Jim Wu, who's also in this article. And he said, if people ask me, where are you from? I say from Houston, Texas. Mm. And he got his MBA at the University of Houston. He's been uh, living in the U.S. as a citizen since 2001. And he says, I love this state. I love this country because of the freedom. That's what he's talking about. And when he refers to Texas mm. and he imagined a scenario where he is asked to show his mm. passport, his U.S. passport to buy a house. And he said, if that happens, it's not a free country anymore. And so I think that's a really interesting uh, perspective for me reading that. It really throws home like this is a discriminatory. So like if if someone says, oh, I'm going to buy this house and they're like, well, are you American? And they're basing that on like racial considerations because they're looking at the face of the other person. Then that's that's not the America that is advertised on the can. I feel like it's kind of a, a not a slap, but it's kind of a knock on a lot of people. Who think, oh, everything is, you know, well and, and, and swell over there. But, you know, reading a comment from someone who's become an American citizen, you might think, oh, this, this, this bill is primarily targeted at Chinese citizens. Mm -hmm. If you're no longer a Chinese citizen, why do you care? But, um, <laughs> this, I don't know if this, this is appropriate to say, but I watched this stand up comedy clip the other day mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it was a, a really good comedian from the Philippines. And of course, he's also American. And he was saying, he was saying, oh, you know, me and my my other friends were talking about the recent hate crimes against Asian people and we're really worried. I was really worried about my personal safety. My Filipino friend goes, oh, don't worry, buddy. Um, they're talking Chinese people. We're Filipino. <laughs> he said, mm -hmm. do you think they can really tell us apart? We're just all Asians. You know, of course, it's a joke. It's meant as a joke. But mm -hmm. um for people that are, whether you're you're Asian American, whether you're an Asian person with a Chinese uh, with a, an American citizenship or not, when a bill is carried out like that, I feel like if I were in that situation, I would be thinking, when is that coming to me? Like, when is that kind of policy going to be cast upon my people? living in the United States. So it's very, mm -hmm. I think it's very understandable that people are having strong reactions against this. But the funny thing is we have this, my, my uh, undergrad school, we have this giant uh, WeChat group of people who like alumni group on WeChat. There's like over, I think there's like almost 500 people. And most people in their, I think, 40s who graduated college in late 90s, yeah, those among those people who chose to move to the United States, the majority of them went to Texas for some really? reason. Yeah, I didn't even know this. Very interesting. So Texas definitely has a very big Chinese population. It's wow. that's why it's not advertised. People think, oh, it's not Texas. It's it's uh, like Chinese people are only in like Flushing in New York or in L.A. or wherever else. But I think it's because. A lot of younger Chinese people in those coastal cities make uh, mm. a little bit more noise about their existence. <laughs> so people think they're only there, but Chinese people actually like there's Texas and then there is Washington, D.C. Um, up north. I think there's a place called Rockville. I think that's part of Maryland. I could be totally wrong. I think my geography <laughs> is completely off, but there is a place called Rockville. And apparently that place has the most authentic Chinese food in like the close um, in that entire like uh, in that entire area that you could find mm. and so chinese people are like actually gathered in places that people that don't know chinese immigrant status in america that well would not think of it's just kind of sad that a lot of people chose texas probably because we love their barbecue <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know uh where pork is we're very welcome and chinese people usually huge fans of pork well if there are if there are as many uh u.s citizens of chinese descent as you say maybe they'll be able to make a loud noise in Texas to prevent this this yeah, bill from being passed. I really don't think this bill would be passed. Just, you know, if we see TV news being paid uh, where they invite people to go on the show and talk about their opinions. And, well, my opinion 
is, you know, my opinion is I don't think this is going to gather a lot of, I don't think this is going to garner a lot of support from people. Mm. Um, but if on the off chance it did, it would be, it would be very sad and it would be almost wrong to pass a bill into law where it's so heavily and strictly based on nationality. I, I completely agree with what you've said. I wanted to cover the uh, Chinese Exclusion Act a little more carefully. So I got this from history.com. That is not like the History Channel, by the way. <laughs> there is a so difference. There are, no, there are no aliens and we don't talk about it. doesn't talk about Nazis nearly as much. Yeah. So this is uh, the Chinese Exclusion Act. It's the article from History.com. Uh, Chinese immigration in America largely started during and after the Opium Wars and around the time of the Gold Rush. So for those of you who don't know, the Opium Wars were when England, the U United Kingdom and a series of its allies came into China and forced China to allow the importation of drugs after they attacked a series of ports and took mm. uh, Hong Kong. And then in the second opium war, Kowloon and forced ports to open around China. So this is colonialism. The purpose of the Chinese Exclusion Act was meant to curb the influx of Chinese immigrants into the United States. And so this mm. racist act continued on until <laughs> World War II. You know, what's really interesting that a lot of Americans may not know is that China and the U.S. are very strong allies during World War II. Mm. In fact, before the United States entered World War II, the America and the Air Force were sending U.S. pilots into China to both train Chinese pilots in the use of modern aviation equipment, but also to fight against the Japanese who were invading. China mm. at that time. And uh, I think there are even museums in China that uh, focus on the fighting tigers, I think that's what they're called, mm. who flew missions to protect China. But anyways, during World War II, China and the U.S. had a strong relationship as allies. One of the reasons that the United mm -hmm. States and China are both mem permanent members of the Security Council, by the way, and uh, that is one of the reasons that the Chinese Exclusion Act was done away with during that time. So we've enjoyed the last 80 years or so yeah. of friendship. And now Texas is putting that friendship in, in kind of jeopardy here by considering passing a law which discriminates against Chinese folks. Definitely. And the kind of unfortunate fact, one piece of one, one of the pieces that really contribute to this. I think I think this news qualifies for a, a controversy, basically, is that the governor actually also sounds like he's in favor of this. <laughs> I, I just hope other legislators in the Texas uh, state house could come to senses and know that this is kind of ridiculous. And I read this uh, uh, transcript between the governor and a New York Times correspondent who's been covering this whole thing this whole time. And the governor said, well, we made this new, we made this bill because back in 2021, there was one, and it's so ridiculous. He said, there's one Chinese billionaire who wanted to buy a wind farm. Hmm. So we made it into law that we're going to ban foreign investment on infrastructure. Why would it be bad if someone owned a wind farm? But in the first place, it's, I mean, that I don't, it's like the way that a, I'm not saying governors shouldn't be talking personal stories, but. Hmm. The governor of the state is talking about one person. <laughs> well, I hey, really didn't one... like Bill. Bill wanted to build a wind farm. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, no wind farms much. for people named Bill. It's just that's ludicrous. Yeah, pretty much. And I was like, how, again, what is the incredible threat for you to, and then for a bill to be signed into law. He's going to be using wind to make energy. Yeah, and then like for <laughs> a bill to be signed into law, there's so much like human labor, hours, energy, whatever that has to be put into this whole process and mm. is it really worth it and i understand again i really do understand as a chinese person as well because we were not as intern you know we're not as like international or open we're not an immigrant country where america is and yeah, has been yeah, yeah. priding itself as an immigrant country so we're not even going to think about that we're going to think about chinese people living here in china that's just you know a chinese people place and we're not an immigrant country we understand maybe oh like you know if if a lot of foreign money comes in when i say a lot is like half of beijing is owned by like a foreign <laughs> entity then like okay that's really bad but really like one person and almost it almost sounds a little bit ridiculous as if 
for saying your Italian friend is trying to buy an apartment. And then we're like, we don't want foreign nationals to hold a property here. So because of this guy, we're going <laughs> to we're going to make it a lot for foreigners to not be able to purchase properties in China. That's like as ridiculous as that. And then the governor saying, you know, with all due respect, the governor saying, oh, this bill is just something like the bill that prevented this one Chinese billionaire from purchasing <laughs> the wind farm. I was like, not really. That Chinese foreign billionaire was one billionaire. And this is on any, on all Chinese people, like people from China. And that's 1.4 billion people. You know, it's not really, you can, they can't just magically fall into the, the same category. Also, I think there's a difference between states and individuals. So like country of Switzerland decided to start buying land in the United States in mass, that'd be something different than like some Swiss folks wanted to buy some land in Colorado for their ski trips in America. Oh, yeah. So there's another uh, group of folks in, in Florida and Governor Ron DeSantis uh, counteracts malign influence by China and other hostile nations in Florida through new actions. So this came out in September uh, 2022 mm. and it talks about uh, Governor DeSantis, by the way, is also someone who tried to erase U.S. slavery from history books. I think there may be a theme developing here. According to Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunez, the Chinese cheats on trade and steals our intellectual property, which is not actually true or founded on anything. So mm. there's a lot of like bizarre things going on in these states and in Florida and in Texas that are discriminating against Chinese folks, but based on political rhetoric. When we talked about previously about the rise in anti-Asian hate crimes in the United States, which in one year, I think it was from 21, 2020 to 2021, was a 330% rise in anti-Asian hate crimes in the United States. Mm -hmm. These are based on uh, things that are being said by people like the lieutenant governor that are not founded in reality. Yeah. China actually patents more technology per year than the United States. And I'm not trying to say that the United anything like, oh, uh, special here, but China doesn't need U.S. patents. China has more STEM grads. It's like <laughs> it's like five to one in STEM grads in China versus the United States. They don't need to take anything from the United States. So these bizarre laws that are being passed uh, in these, I guess, not passed, uh, being attempted mm. attempts at passing laws that are discriminating against people based on their nationality. Yeah. Are, is a new phenomenon, or I guess relatively new in our lifetimes, but it has historical precedence. And it's just really bothersome. And I think one other fact that we need to probably put it out there is that this is not exclu exclusively just in Texas. Um, apparently, lawmakers not only in Texas, but also Florida, Arkansas, um, any Congress have all proposed such laws to ban citizens from of China to from buying not just land. We're talking about buying lands, right? And people are like, oh, buy land. They own it forever and stuff. But it's not just from buying lands. These proposed bills also are intending to ban Chinese citizens from buying homes and other buildings, meaning like even if you just want to buy a small apartment to live there. And I think one piece of um, information that we didn't really focus on, which actually mm -hmm. makes us a little more appalling, it, it's, it says Chinese citizens. So basically, as long as you have a Chinese passport, you won't be able to purchase mm. property, land, homes. Um, if this became reality, you wouldn't be able to do that, which is really ridiculous because we were just talking about one of our coworkers. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, he's not Chinese, but he's Japanese, mm -hmm. but he grew up in the United States and he has a green card and he, he still holds his Japanese passport and he plans on doing that probably his entire life. And then I know Chinese people mm -hmm. who have green cards and but still holds their Chinese passport as well because that makes it so much easier for mm -hmm. them to travel home to see their family. If people hadn't learned anything from the past three years of COVID, seeing your family is probably the thing that you want the most, more than anything um, material, more than anything that's so much about vanity and, and you know, fancy status. Like you really, in times, in critical times you really want to be able to see mm -hmm. your family and then there's there are a lot of people who, who are choosing to do that because legally they are allowed 
And then this practice has been around for many, many years to hold your like the passport of your home country and then hold the permanent resident status of a place that you like to live in. Mm-hmm. And if we allow that to happen, then these people, if this piece of bill became um, actual legislation, then these people would be part of the people that are targeted and affected as well. And then honestly, I think it'll affect them the most instead of actually mm. actual Chinese citizens who don't hold any resident status in in the United States. Because honestly, Jason, you've been here for long enough to know that people are not just like holding a stack of cash and looking for <laughs> investing them in another in a, in a foreign country like crazy. And even like business people that I know here, there are, I think, I mean, I didn't, it's a shame that I didn't look into this extensively or in greater details, but just from a factual point, because of the real estate developers that I know personally, their Chinese real estate developers or investors in general have a very big range of destinations mm-hmm. um, because as an investment, if we're talking about a country that is known for its capitalist market, you know, as an investor, you need to divert your risks and you mm-hmm. always need to divert your investment. So people are always looking to invest in different kind of projects in different places so that they could make sure that part of their money is always safe. And then there are people, there are business built on helping Chinese investors to, again, diversify their investment. But a lot of them are going to Europe, a lot of them are going to Southeast America. And then, of course, America is the place that is known for being the most difficult place to invest. So can you make it more difficult to deter, quote unquote, deter more Chinese people from investing there? I don't know. Well, you actually bring up a really good point. Uh, FDI, foreign direct investment, is a thing mm. that nations seek. They want more FDI because it helps to grow their economy. China always touts that it has more FDI yeah. consecutively for the last 10 years. Every year, more and more people from the UK, the United States, uh, from Germany, Germany are investing their money in the Chinese economy because it's growing, you know, it's expected to grow about 5.4%. I think that's a Mm. Fitch maybe. So like this year, so a lot of people are investing in different businesses in China and China actively seeks, hey, bring your money here, invest in our companies, invest in our business, which people do. And they're successful at making profit by investing in Chinese Mm. businesses and companies. What is this going to do to FDI in the United States if the United States starts putting up massive roadblocks? China is the second largest economy in the world if you calculate it by nominal GDP. It's the largest economy in the world by PPP. FDI maybe nominals more accurate, but imagine telling the people with the second largest economy in the world as the first largest economy, we're going to make it harder for you to invest in our economy, but we really want you to invest in our economy. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. And it's actually and I mean, this is not my actual point. I'm just pointing out this is another problem of these really crazy sinophobic bills. When I'm thinking about this problem, making it difficult for people from other countries specifically we're talking about China in this case, to buy property in the United States, I'm mostly concerned about the violence that will follow. Because when you start passing anti-Chinese laws like this in my country, in the United States, yeah, people are going to take that as a cue that, you know, okay, people with deranged mentalities are going to go out on the streets and we're going to see upticks in anti-Asian violence again. This is not going to just affect Chinese people, which would be enough if you're an ethical and moral person. This is going to affect Japanese people, Korean people, Southeast Asian people. Anyone from, you know, Asia is going to be negatively impacted by these kinds of racist laws. So when these laws get passed, it's not going to be like, oh, oh, uh, we win. Chinese people aren't going to be buy our <laughs> land. What's really going to happen is deranged people, people with drug addictions, people who don't understand the nuance of politics are going to go out on the streets and we're going to see more crimes like we've seen perpetrated against the elderly and women largely across the United States, not just Texas and Florida. These laws are the start of a trend of excluding and being racist and xenophobic and xenophobic that I don't want to see in my country in the United States. This is not the United States that I was promised. <laughs> this is something else. And it's turning it's turning out really 
disappointing for for me personally mm. when I when I look at this that this is what my country is becoming. I I feel I, I I really feel like for people who are believing in the sentiment because I almost want to say funny enough that a lot of people who support this are firm believers that Chinese investors or property owners are buying land because they're saying, oh, you know, Chinese people are buying lands really close to uh, a military basis. So they're trying to they're all trying to to spy and, and steal and <laughs> trying to jeopardize our national security. Mm. And I don't even know where to begin to to tackle that kind of sentiment. I don't know if you remember that part of my comedy routine. I actually mm -hmm. jokes about that kind of sentiment, of course, using my dear mother. But it's almost ridiculous when you think of for a country as open, as diverse and as, you know, immigrant heavy as America. And you look at a foreign national and you're national and you're like, oh, this person is a spy. Like, I think we heard we were hearing that already towards the end of my time in the mm -hmm. United States in 2017. Really? People were saying that. Chinese people were spies. And there were definitely voices in media that are kind of saying that. And then because my, my roommate in Boston who studied, uh, they call it double E, electronic engineering. I, it, sounds, it sounds so much cooler when you say double E. <laughs> when he came back to the States, I think around 2015 or 16, mm -hmm. he got what I forgot the words. But basically, you know, when you apply for a visa, usually they just give it to you. They ask you some very basic questions. Mm -hmm. But he got questioned and they sent him back and they said, can't give it to you because your major is potentially risky for the, the United States because you could steal oh, information or you could be basically saying you could be the spy for the Chinese government. It's so ridiculous. Or maybe I am delusional. Maybe every single normal person around Alex <laughs> is just acting as a normal person and they're they're all doing espionage stuff. And then I'm the <laughs> only person that's unaware. That could be, you know, theoretically, that could be a possibility. The bigger possibility is these are just normal people who are trying to live a different life, who are trying to see what it's like to study. And then the thing is, he already has a visa. He already had visa once before. And I remember we had to like renew it. Mm. Like I had to leave America to renew it. And for, for people here in China, um, foreign nationals are working here. When you renew it, you don't really need to run to another country. You can renew it here. Mm. And I actually prefer that you're here when they renew it. For us, if we renew it, we'll have to go back to China and then send it to the American embassy and, and then do it again. So it is terrible. Oh, yeah. I want to actually talk about because some foreigners may say that's not true. They're going to say, oh, no, but people have to do visa runs. Well, let me explain why those people have to do yes, visa please. runs. <laughs> those people who are doing these visa runs to like uh, South Korea or Hong Kong or whatever, it's because their visas are not the appropriate visas for their work and they're cheating the system. Yeah. So when they say, oh, I have to do a visa run to South Korea really fast, that's because they're going to South Korea to get a travel visa to come back to China to work illegally. Yeah. So people who work legally in China and get one year visas renew their visa in China. Yes. So uh, I don't want what Alex is saying to be undermined by a misconception about foreigners, because those foreigners who are doing those visa runs, it's because they're not using the visa yes. that, in the proper way. And sometimes that's Most the of the time it's actually the Sometimes fault. the person yeah. is perfectly qualified. Well, sometimes the, 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 uh, the teacher, it doesn't actually have a bachelor's degree or some other piece of documentation. And so they are doing the visa run because they're not actually qualified to fall within the system in the way that they're supposed to. And sometimes the school is just not giving them the correct visa. And so they just have to keep doing these visa runs. Oh, I wonder if following that logic, Jason, maybe we should just ban all foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> well, goodbye, Alex. It was nice yeah. seeing you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's the thing. Like there are also and then it's not even them trying to. I don't know even how to explain this, but it's just so the, the whole sentiment behind why this bill was even created in, in the first place. I don't think there's a, a, a rational reasoning behind it. You know, I'm not as brave as these folks. You know, I have to say that like a lot of people think I'm brave for living in China. I feel the exact opposite. I live in China because I am not brave. I experienced a lot of violence and criminality in the United States and it yeah. was scary. Sadly. Yeah. And so I can't, when I, you know, I would sometimes be in certain situations where I felt threatened and things in certain uh, times of the night and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I moved to mm -hmm. China and that fear is gone. I don't think about it. So I'm actually here because I am a total chicken. 
So when I, it's wonderful living in China. I could walk around. I was walking around this morning at like 4 a.m. outside. I went to the gym. It wasn't spy stuff. So, I, I, you know, I, I, I like to go to the gym because I'm fat. I go when no, no one's there. So no one's like, look at that fat guy working out. But no, what my point is, yeah. my, my point is that I'm here in China because I feel mm. safe. And these and people who are currently living in Texas in other places in the United States where anti-Asian violence is skyrocketing, they are feeling less safe. So I actually absolutely I feel for them because if I was a mm. foreigner like I am mm. here in China and I felt unsafe because I am a foreigner, because they were attacking yeah. foreigners, because foreigners were being hit in the back of the head with a brick while they're walking down the street, I certainly would reconsider whether I wanted to live here. And so I feel very bad for the people in the United States who came on goodwill because they heard good things about what life is like in America. Yeah. And, you know, like a lot of things in America are pretty cool, like talk about for example this is never so going like to this is never going to not be in our show sorry i really think we should edit out the times the sheer times of jason just mentioning taco bell on our show and send it to taco bell and see if we get a, a, a an official sponsorship from taco bell off the bridge in china i just want to be able to get a, a meal for free once a week here in beijing anyways no i'm just joking um but you know i don't think anyone should have to live in fear yep. and so the idea that this is that anti-Asian rhetoric is increasing and that there are politicians who should be responsible to people who have constituents who are Chinese and Asian who have become citizens of the United States or are citizens because they, you know, their parents or grandparents or great grandparents became citizens. America is an immigrant country. And the fact that people have to be afraid of living in America uh, in this day and age in 2023, because the politicians are being irresponsible is a ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous that politicians who should be leaders in our community are leading people down a very bad place and and they're disrupting what America should stand for claims it stands for. Yeah, it's just very sad for me to see people reasoning for this kind of bill to even exist in the first place. And mm -hmm. for me, it's like, OK, if you're making a bill, it's kind of like, sure, make it against another country. Right. We don't want Chinese government to put money into into our land. Mm -hmm. I get it. Well, Individuals, mm -hmm. that's pushing it too far well, for me. This is uh, from Jessica Weiss, a political scientist and government professor at Cornell University. I've actually watched her give some speeches. She said, mm -hmm. quote, oh, nice. she's a very eloquent speaker. She said, quote, a band that targets a person's country of origin, particularly if it includes those who are on a pathway to U.S. citizenship, goes against everything that the United States stands for. And quote, you know, when you look at the Statue of Liberty, which is how the United States represents itself internationally, look at the statue, what it represents. It represents that we are a country of immigrants where people are welcome to come and live and share cultures from all over the world. This kind of bill that is being considered in Texas goes against every principle that the United States claims it stands exactly. for. Exactly. I would be super, I would be so much more understanding if America from today on, and it says, you know, we no longer welcome immigrants. Like you could come here on a visa to work or, or, or temporarily live here, but we don't, we're not an immigrant country where we don't have all of these different status that allow you to stay in an America, in America. Sure. I understand it. But really, like I some of the legislators in Texas State House are talking about it as if saying, oh, but don't worry if you are a U.S. passport holder, this doesn't affect you. But as long as you don't have a passport, as long as you haven't been naturalized as an American citizen, mm -hmm. this is going to affect you. How ridiculous is that? For someone like the coworker I'm talking about who spent her whole life in America, mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're saying you can't purchase property. What happens to the property that they already own? Like, really, is that really, are you really going to kick them out of their own house because they don't have a U.S. passport? Oh, so ridiculous. So ridiculous. <laughs> really good point. Yeah. I could almost understand where a law where you, let's let's imagine a law that makes sense. OK, there are military installations that have uh, top secret information in the United States. Mm. Sure. So maybe for a radius of, I don't know, whatever miles, three miles, five miles, something like that. No people who are not U.S. citizenships from any country can buy land within this designated area in different places around the, or your state or the United States or whatever law you're 
you're passing. Mm. But to make a law that specifically says only people from this country, that country, they cannot buy any land anywhere, including an apartment in downtown Austin. That is not that doesn't make any sense. It's purely sinophobic. It, it doesn't make sense as legislation. Our episode today is kind of like telling people it's just, right. I'm trying to <laughs> rationalize, but I can't. Because mm. it's it's very ridiculous. But again, the sad thing is um, there are similar bills that are being talked about or being at mm-hmm. least proposed um, in, in um, 11 different states. You know, Wow. Yeah. So. Well, I think what I'm hoping for American listeners out there who are listening to this episode is that you when you next time you hear that there's going to be, you know, uh, some kind of a protest or, you know, political engagement that you stand up for people of around the world, not just Chinese folks, but people around the world stand up against these kind of laws. I, I have another quote here. This is a uh, Madeline Shu, professor of history at University of Texas, Austin, who said, uh, Historically justifying anti-Chinese immigration laws, Chinese immigrants were portrayed as, quote, a threat to the civilization of the United States. Okay, And so (laughs) we cannot allow ourselves to go backwards in history. This is the 21st century. The United States should not be uh, even contemplating passing these kinds of things. People need to stand up and say no, you know, and and, and people from everywhere else need to also stand up for anyone from anywhere, if you're in the United States and you're being attacked because, I don't know, you're from Syria, you're a Syrian refugee living in the United States, people from, you know, Mexico should be standing up for you. And people from, you know, who are immigrants from France should be standing up for people from Mexico. So I think what I would like, my own recommendation to anyone who's listening who cares about this is all is at all, is for everyone to stand up for everyone else's rights and to recognize that this kind of law, and this law specifically is bad. And to, even if you're not Chinese, stand up against this law, stand up against laws like this. If they come after Chinese folks and you're from Italy, they might come after you next. So everyone needs to stand together against this kind of thing. That, and then also just a simple fact that not people are not all spies. Like just, they're not that many, <laughs> they're not that many spies out there in the world, guys. Just know that. And the, 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 most of the people that you're going to meet in your daily life who are from a different place than you are probably just someone like you with a different appearance or a different accent. Other than that, you both need to eat and you both need to sleep and you both want to fall in love or or hate something. You know, mm. We're just all human beings at the end of the day. And that's something that we've been trying to do and talk about on this show. And it's just sad. I hope I hope in the future we have, you know, less and less content like this that we have to discuss because it's, it's anti what we are. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thank you for your time, Alex. Please tune in next time to The Bridge and we will keep bringing you Bridging East and West so that everyone can understand one another better. And we'll see you next time.